Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. In one hour at 5 o'clock when we talk to Barry Sferluga about his uh, story today that the learners might not be selling the Nats at any point this baseball season after all. We will be giving away tickets to go see Nickelback. We got concert tickets to Nickelback. We're giving them out in 57 minutes right here on 106.7 The Fan, so make sure you're listening. Big Beltway Blitz starting. We got the Capitals, who play tonight, need two points before their break, their last game for 12 days, and the Commanders coming up on the Blitz. Let's get it started. Ava Wallace covers the Wiz. They've won six consecutive games. Last night, they went in San Antonio for the first time. Since 1999, Ava, how about this six-game winning streak? Yeah, it's pretty well. First of all, I just want to point out, I think you guys should have flipped. I think you should have had Barry on to talk about the Wizards. If I could talk about the Learners and the Mavs with you guys, it would be great. Just switch things up, keep it in the house. It would be good. It would be that good. That would be nice. Just yes. keep people guessing. No, I like we'll it. do that next time. That's right. that's I think right. that's a good idea. Okay. Um, the Wizards, yeah, they're on a six-game winning streak. And let me tell you guys, that locker room in San Antonio last night was maybe the happiest I've seen all season. Uh, and it makes a lot of sense. These guys are gelling. They got Chris Porzingis back, so everyone is once again healthy. We'll see how long it lasts. Um, but they've been playing great. And uh, after after the trade, I kind of expected there to be a little bit more turmoil, but it also helps that they're at a soft part of the schedule. So uh, winning fixes everything. Forget about what they were before. We know how we got here, right? A bunch of winning streaks and some losing streaks that were really long and, and et cetera. Right now, this minute, are the Wizards good? I don't think you can say that because of their schedule. And I'm saying that as some, as someone who knows, you know, the coaches in the front office are very aware of the schedule as well. And what Wes Unsell Jr. is focused on is saying this sixth game winning streak doesn't matter who it comes against. And they did have that really good win in Dallas against yes. Luka Doncic. They swept Dallas, swept Dallas this year. That should be noted. Um, it's good for the Wizards' psyche. If it's good for evaluating how, how good of a roster this is, I don't think so. Um, but right now, everybody's just kind of riding the happy train. How excited should I be about Denny Avdia's 25-9 and nine in 33 minutes last night? Um, you should be decently excited about that because it's kind of been a slow building of, of over these past four or five games where Avdia's look really solid. And Christoph Porzingis said something really interesting to me last night. Those two are buddies, and... And I wrote about this a little bit in my piece, but he just said, I think he has a little bit less pressure of I'm not going to be yanked immediately. I had the time to kind of make mistakes. I had the minutes. I asked Porzingis, if he means, you know, do you mean because Rui Hachimura is, is no longer on the team? He said, no, he's just playing with a little bit more confidence. And the coaches in the front office have made it clear that you're a part of this team's future. Uh, go ahead and, and, you know, really 
be aggressive in your game and make decisions and, and don't be afraid and, and second guess yourself. And I think that's what he's benefiting from with, with obvious, always a little bit more mental. The, the, I hate to use this term, but we just don't have a better one than, than this. Hey, but the, the, their big three in Kuzma, Porzingis and Beal, <laughs> yeah. uh, just three good players on a team. And now it's not automatically a big three, but whatever, I guess it is fine. We'll put that aside for a second. When they're playing good opponents, What's the balance look like there? Is it just sort of my turn, your turn? It's a flow thing for me against quality teams that are actually going to defend them a little bit that I'm still not quite sure about. Yeah, I've, I've asked Wes Unseld Jr. this question, too, because I think it's a really smart question, and it's predicated, um, from what Unseld has told me, it's predicated on spacing. That's how Chris Porzingis works best. And remember, they're kind of primarily focused on the guy who can do the thing that nobody else can do. Bradley Beal is going to get his buckets. He's going to be able to drive. He can shoot. He can pull up, whatever. Same with Kyle Kuzma now, especially since he's got the green light to shoot. But that spacing is what kind of really unlocks the three of those guys being on court at the same time. And that was something that uh, we saw a little bit earlier in the season when they had some success. They had, I think it was their, like their first good winning streak or their first stretch of the season where they finally got some rhythm and learned how to play with each other. Um, so that's something that's about chemistry and it's about knowing how to move around each other. And I think it's also why they kind of made that um, adjustment when both Daniel Gafford and Chris Epps are in to shift everybody down one, uh, give Porzingis a little bit more space to play in, and then Beal factors into that how he does. But it's, it's all about spacing and, and letting everybody give the, uh, get the time and, and space they need to move on court. How many times can I say space in an answer, I wonder? I think you did it a, a good number of times, not too many. Thank you. Not that was appropriate, little, I felt like. <laughs> kind of a Goldilocks just right number of times, I would there say. Uh, we appreciate the time, Ava. Thank you, and uh, hopefully those whiz can stay hot. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Eva. Be good. There's Ava Wallace. Check her out in the Washington Post. Let's talk some puck. Got to have it tonight. You just got to get two points in regulation. Columbus is terrible. Ben Raby, Caps Radio Network, joins us. The break looms. A meeting with the Jackets first, Ben. Yeah, it's what we like to call an auto-win game, right, fellas? Not a must-win game, but a team, if you're the Capitals, you have aspirations of, maintaining your playoff position and potentially moving up the standings is the game they ought to win. You ought to empty the tank tonight, final game before the All-Star break, as you noted, and an opportunity to bounce back after that clunker on Sunday while the AFC and NFC championship games were going on. Capitals were busy falling 5-1 to Toronto over the weekend. So the potential for a get-well game tonight against Columbus, team they've already beaten twice here in the month of January, as you noted, Grant, the last season for the Blue Jackets, last in the overall standings, third to last defensively. So the opportunity for the Capitals to get it right tonight in Ohio. Benjamin, I, I've had the egg on my face a couple different times where I've 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 done that sort of thing where I go, they played a grand game, I tell you. They're out of that. They're out of their cold snap. They're they're in for a hot streak now. You watch this is the turning point, and then they come out the next game and are awful. Like I'm thinking back to the Canadians game when they scored like a touchdown and went for two and got it, yeah. and then scored even another goal after that, and then you know came out a couple nights later and weren't particularly good. I, I feel like it's not really a consistency thing right now. They were consistently awesome a month ago. I don't know that that team's around anymore. I think they're just kind of in get by mode at this point until maybe some of the bodies come back. Walk me through it. Yeah, to that point, they have not won two in a row, going back to, to late December, going back to right after the Christmas break. So it's been, uh, it's been very inconsistent here in the month of January and a number of areas of concern, if, if you want to use that word here. Uh, you know, they've had some defensive lapses, but the, 
the antenna really goes up with the lack of offensive productivity, the power play, you know, missing John Carlson, obviously, but power play uh, has been an issue this month, ranking 24th overall in the league. And as far as even strength productivity, that's gone dry too. As far as the offensive finish, you have a lot of guys, you know, beyond Alex Ovechkin, you have a lot of guys, the secondary scores that haven't been able to produce with much regularity this month. Just a few Evgeny Kuznetsov, no goals in his last 15, Connor Sherry won in his last 15. Lars Eller, no points in the month of January. So there's several. You can go up and down the depth chart, but certainly there's an appetite to get going offensively in particular. And then eventually here, to your point, you've got to start stringing together wins. You've got to get wins and points, start collecting them, because even though they're in the first wild card spot in the Eastern Conference, uh, the backside pressure is there. They're only one point up on Pittsburgh. They're only three up on Buffalo, three up on the Islanders, four up on Florida and several of those teams with multiple games in hand on the Capitals. Ben, have we seen Mantha and Eller, among others, on the trade block kind of step up here as they're fighting for their future with the Capitals? Those are two of the guys that seem like they would make the most sense to maybe move. Yeah, I would think Mantha, you might have, it might be a challenge to move that if there even is an appetite to do so, but if there's an appetite to move, Anthony Mantha, given that his salary is approaching $6 million per year and he has term left on it, that might be a tough one to move without, for example, throwing in a draft pick, throwing in something to make it even more enticing to another team to say, please take this salary and the term that remains on it. Lars Eller is more, you know, in that rental type of position. He's on an expiring deal. Uh, also making north of $3 million, but again, that's that's considerably less than Mantha. And again, given that it's an expiring deal, that might be more movable. And then also from a Capitals perspective, it's a big if, but if healthy, if you consider Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Nick Dowd when he returns, and the potential to play Alexei Protus down the middle, you do have center depth. I'm not pushing Lars Eller out of town just yet, but to your point, uh, you know, his name has come up from authoritative figures and, and those around the league suggesting, you know, he might be attractive to other teams looking for center depth. And because of that contract, it, it makes him potentially a quote-unquote easier piece to move given that it's an expiring deal. Ben, any updates on some of the injured guys potentially coming back or is it just, you know, after the All-Star break and we'll see? After the All-Star break, and we'll see, but that includes Wilson and that includes Dowd. And I know, I know Dowd, a regular on your guys' show, uh, really can't be us underestimated. It shouldn't be us underestimated uh, how much they miss him as well. You know, we spoke so much early this year about the headliners, Wilson and Backstrom being out, and Oshie missing time, and John Carlson more recently missing time. But Nick Dowd, you know, such a key cog, you know, in that shutdown role and on the penalty kill, uh, they've missed him. And I, I think it's one of those pieces where maybe you don't necessarily fully appreciate it till he's not a part of it. So hopefully after the All-Star break, there's encouraging and good news uh, regarding the recovery there. Ben, we appreciate all the Caps insight on the Blitz. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks, fellas. You're the best. There's Ben Raby. Check him out on the Caps Radio Network. Let's talk some football. Darren Haynes, Channel 9, WSA-TV in town, joins us to do just that. Darren, ESPN ranked 50 free agents 1-50 to today. Deron Payne came in at number 4 on their list from this year's free agency class. What do you make of that? I mean, he absolutely deserves that spot. I mean, he's going to be a free agent, and 
obviously you guys know he he definitely balled out out of all the years he's been here in Washington. I mean, he by far surpassed. Basically, I'm trying to think, like, maybe the first few years, like, combined, he did better this season than the previous three altogether. All uh, so, so definitely deserved it, the impact that he made this year in regards to stopping a run and, and pass and stuff like that. Absolutely. Um, should fans and, and pudgy radio hosts talking to Darren Haynes right now be slightly irritated that Ron Rivera's playing golf instead of talking no, offensive just, coordinator people? No. Oh. I was literally – so I'm mm. doing a segment today called Why I'm Mad. Okay. And that's my first thing on why I'm mad. Like, Ron Rivera, people live lives. Like, we work and we need that time off. We work eight hours a day. We go home and we do whatever the heck we want to do. But I get it. Some people are like, okay, why is he golfing? He should be interviewing an offensive coordinator or mm-hmm. should be at the senior bowl and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, the people got to live. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let, him, <laughs> let the guy live. I'm sure he has everything scheduled and planned and has everybody in place doing their particular job. <clears throat> but... If we're going to be bothered by the fact that the guy played a, a round of golf at Pebble Beach, um, when you know, I, I just I think that we're kind of like putting his life and his work life in a totally different stratosphere than a normal person who like works their normal job and what they do every day. I think that makes sense. Um, we've talked to you a bunch about Sam Howell. I'm curious though. Early in the off season, Rivera comes out right away, or at least the team gets word out right away. It seemed like and said, "Hey." This could be Sam Howell's team this year, right? And then about a week later, uh, we hear that offensive coordinators are being told it's going to be Sam Howell's team, but yet they keep coming up being linked to some of the veteran quarterbacks that are out there. Do you think this is actually going to be Howell's club at the end of this offseason, or do you actually think they're going to be in on Rodgers and Brady and some of these other guys like Derek Carr? So to from from people that I'm talking to, and I'm talking to some of like the agents for like some of the offensive coordinators that are interviewing for Washington, and and just to kind of confirm on top of what has already been confirmed, they're saying it's going to be Sam Howell's team. Um, well, not Sam Howell's team, but Sam Howell's going to be that starting quarterback moving forward. However, if we know Ron Rivera and and what Martin Mayu are, are going to do. They always explore every single avenue, and if there's a player, a good quarterback that's available, like for an example, let's make this up. What if Lamar Jackson's like, hey, I want to go to Washington. You think we're going to turn that down? So that changes everything. So I think they leave all the opportunities open for whoever may present itself, but as of right now on paper, the quarterback that you know is going to be on your team is Sam Howell. So that's what, that's what they're kind of looking at in their mindset, the guy who's going to be leading them moving forward. Yeah, and if something does break or, or you know kind of shake loose, I'm sure Ron could take a call from the golf course. But Darren, for the specifics of this offseason and their their needs and wants and desires to to improve and to kind of get out of this hamster wheel that they've been on, what step do they need to take to be among the better teams in the NFL, like Philadelphia, who just a couple years ago wasn't particularly good at all and now is pretty dominant on their way to a Super Bowl? Guys, I hate to say this, man, but everything lean still on the quarterback position on how that how important that position is i was i was thinking earlier you know i remember mentioning to you guys about you know what taylor heineke said about sam Howell and how he could be special and i'm just like man could this turn into one of those like nobody knew really what Patrick Mahomes could do but they got rid of alex smith and then mahomes comes in and he's like a beast like like can sam Howell be some i'm not saying he's gonna be patrick mahomes but can he be this guy that just comes in and, and, and now he's our future star and just totally changes everything? But everything is based on this quarterback position. You can't do much with it. I'm, I'm sure you guys saw what Chad Ochocinco said. Uh, if he's still Ochocinco, I don't know if it's Chad Johnson, whatever name he's going with. 
these days. But he was mentioning about like the, the duo with Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin. Like those guys can do some big things. They just got to get their quarterback situation coming from, uh, situated. And so that's what it's all circled around is that QB position. But it sucks that we've been going through this for the last like how many years? Thirty. Something like that. <laughs> My entire Since Joe Theismann got hurt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Grant's <laughs> entire life, absolutely. No doubt. Appreciate you, bud. All right, left hand up. Danny. Nope. Danny. Thanks, Darren. Thank you, Darren. One day, Darren, you're gonna whittle. You're gonna whittle away at that heart of his. When that uh, team is called something else with a new owner, we don't have to deal with any of that anymore. No embarrassing, cringeworthy things. Just good football. We My a- hand is up. Shut up. Shut up. We got a bombshell. Yep. Coming in the NFL right now. Sean Payton's coming back to coach. A team has given up a first-round pick this year and future picks for Sean Payton. We'll give you the details next on Grant and Danny. Business is picking up on the coaching front in the NFL. As you just heard from our guy Earl Forsey, Sean Payton back to the National Football League. And D'Amico Ryans is finalizing his contract with the Houston Texans. With all due respect to Ryans, who's a hot defensive coordinating coaching candidate, going to take that Houston job. We'll get to that in a minute. Throw that on the back burner. Sean Payton, a star. He's been all over TV the last few weeks on Fox. Makes a lot of appearances with Colin Cowherd throughout the football season. 59 years old, still kind of a median age among NFL coaches, even though he started coaching in 2006. He was Sean McVay before Sean McVay. Yeah, the smart, hot assistant coming from a great program. 43 years old, coached the Saints to a 10-6 and record in his first year. Look, he's gone through a couple of down periods. There was a three-year run when they had a bad defense, where they went 7-9 and three straight seasons from 2014 to 2016. But over the last... Five years, the Saints won 11, 13, 13, 12, and then nine games at 9-8 and eight in his final year. He stepped away, watched for a season. There was speculation he would jump back in this year, but with these openings over the last few days, I think people started to think that he wasn't actually going to take a job this offseason. I know I predicted that he would stay and continue to do TV. He'd be in the booth. I was wrong. He's headed to the Denver Broncos. Denver giving up a first-round pick and future high-round pick. We haven't heard the specifics yet, I don't believe, for Sean Payton. But two draft picks near the top of the board over the next couple of years just for the right to pay Sean Payton a ton of money. I was wrong about this. I thought Payton was going to do the Gruden plan or the Harbaugh plan where you flirt every year. And by flirting and then going back to television, your reputation simply grows that much more. And, you know, years ago, you go back to, again, what John Gruden was able to do by virtue of success that he, that he had as a coach. And then he left because after he got fired. But his reputation kept growing and growing and growing as he talked about the sport and was front and center. And, you know, was the, the Q rating would never been higher. I thought Peyton would go the same, same path. Looks like he missed it too much. So he's going to Denver. Um, this is fascinating from a bunch of different perspectives. I wonder if Sean Payton, I mean, in order, in order for Payton to be able to go in there and say, yes, this, this, this gig makes sense to me, I think two boxes had to be checked. One, I think he's buying into the ownership group. Remember, that's the Walton family, the, the Walmart heirs that you know bought, was at the time, a, a record amount of money, or a huge amount of money for the Denver Broncos. 
cash will not be a problem for them in terms of spending. I know the salary cap is fixed and, and hard and fast, but in terms of you know whatever assistant coach you want, whatever facility you want, whatever the latest technology is, that's going to be no object, presumably. I, you would you would imagine that they're sold on that. Then he'll probably make a pretty penny as a result of that. Two, there's got to be some confidence in Russell Wilson. There just has to be something that he said, they didn't do this, I'll fix it. I'll be the guy that gets him either back to what he was or or get him right or something like that because I just can't see a coach worth his salt the way Peyton is being so offensively savvy saying, I'll just tie myself to this for however long. They can't get out of that deal. He's not going anywhere talking about Wilson. he I Presumably, I would have said before this Peyton deal, he would outlast whoever the next coach is simply because you can't move on because that contract is so onerous. There's got to be something that Peyton saw to me, just outside looking in, read the tea leaves here, where he would go, I can fix it. And maybe that's you know the, the hubris that all coaches and all players have when you get to that high of a level that your stuff is so good that it doesn't matter. But you, you would think there's got to be some level of confidence that he can do right with Russell Wilson there. So a couple of things, to some just some house cleaning on this trade. I'm getting a lot of tweets. I was having the same questions. We've been digging on this. The Broncos trading a first-round pick this year to go get Sean Payton from the Saints doesn't make sense because they traded their pick for Russell Wilson. What pick would they have? Remember, they got a first-round pick back in the Bradley Chubb trade. Mm-hmm. They traded uh, Bradley Chubb for the 29th pick in this year's draft. They didn't pay him instead of giving him $22 million, and that's going to help turn into Sean Payton, it sounds like. So that'll at least be part of the compensation. That's number one. Now, I want to know how much he's going to make. I bet because it's a lot. for him to leave what he was doing, to go to that situation, which to me looks like a bad, boxed-in, awful job, honestly. I mean, he obviously sees it differently. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, what you just said about Russell Wilson has to be true. Has to be, right? He watched enough tape on Russell Wilson to say, this is what he did with Nathaniel Hackett, who is not as good as me. And a year before that, this is what he did in Seattle with a offensive coaching staff that is, is not as good as me. I can get him back to being a 30-touchdown, 10-pick, annual top 10-12 quarterback in this league, and if that's the case, we're going to win a lot of playoff games and I can win a Super Bowl. He would not come back, Danny, if he didn't think he could get Russell Wilson back to being a top-after-league quarterback. There's no doubt. Because if you really believe, like, if you view Wilson and that job like I do, you're not taking this job, no matter how much they pay you. You got too many options if you're Sean Payton. You're the bell of the ball. You coached in this league from 2006 to 2021. You won almost 64% of your games. You won a ring. You you were in the playoffs every single year. You had double-digit wins on nine occasions, I think it was. You're not taking a bad job. So he obviously thinks, to your point, you got the the owners of Walmart or whatever that family is with all that money. Uh-huh. You've got a Russell Wilson, who's your starter, who has been an MVP caliber player for several years and who still has that club in the bag. That's the only way he's viewing this. Because if he looks at Russell Wilson like I do and says that guy's done, there's no way he would take this job. Because even even if the payday is outrageous, and we're assuming that it is, like to me, I would not be surprised if we hear he got. Ten and hundred fifty million. Yeah, I mean, think about how how many years ago was it that Gruden got ten and a hundred? Five years ago, maybe even somewhere around there. Six. More. Yeah, yeah. Or honestly, twenty million a year wouldn't blow me away. If they if we find out he got like seven years, 
at 140 million, I I that would make sense to me. The yeah. It would have to be something like that to go, I'll outlast Wilson and I can build it as as I see fit. Or the money's just so ridiculous. But to your point, again, I keep I keep coming back to this. I know, I know I'm over talking about Gruden, but that's this was the business model. Gruden's agent was so amazing at this. Every year you flirt, every year you're you know you talk to a couple teams and, and there's interest, and you feed it to the you know to the national media folks who are just mentioning your name, keeping your name in discussion. Harbaugh does this every year at Michigan. Flirts with the pros, comes back, will probably get more money, etc. He could have done that for two, three, four, five more years and ended up with something similar. To me, this is about maybe he had the itch again. Maybe he's like, I got to just get back into coaching. It's it's way more fun for me. I need that adrenaline rush. Maybe that's something that I, maybe I'm discounting. But to me, this has to reflect some kind of confidence in Russell Wilson. It has to reflect that he can be the guy to get him back on track, get something new out of him. Whatever that is, he's got to look at that and go, I can work with him. I, that's, I, that's the only interpretation I see. If you're the Saints, you're getting the 29th pick in this year's draft. And you're getting a, they're saying high round, I'm guessing a second or. For nothing. A third. Just for waking up today. Yep. Good John job, guys. Peyton said, I'm out. I don't think you were desperate to bring him back. Now, is he a better coach than Dennis Allen? Probably. Is Dennis Allen going to be there for the long haul? Maybe not. But what a gift if you're the Saints. Totally. And they have such a bad cap situation they have for a few years. because They're pretty aggressive up against the cap. They're not afraid of it. So the draft is critical to them, and they've largely done a pretty good job via the draft. But, yeah, it's a a huge windfall for them to add another first-round pick this year. Uh, Russell Wilson's contract situation, by the way. His cap number this year was only $17 bucks. It goes up a little bit. This year, only $22 bucks. Oh. So you can deal with that. Mm -hmm. You can win plenty of games with a starting quarterback who's only taking up $22 million in cap space. And in the case of Wilson, even if he's not playing well, $22 million and subpar production is still not a deal breaker. The problem is, if you can't fix this guy, he's 35 this year. Next year, this will be year two of Sean Payton. Russell Wilson will be 36 years old. His cap number jumps to $35.4 million. Which is still not the end of the world. Not horrible, not but good. that is top five in the league type yeah. rate at that point. Which, you know, people get upset at $35 million if Cousins or Carr or whoever's making that money. That's 4,400 yards and 32 touchdowns and 11 picks. Mm-hmm. Like, Russell Wilson at $35 million could be a big problem if he plays like he did this year. Oh, totally. How about still no get-out-of-jail-free card yet? You haven't noticed me saying there's an off-ramp. 2025. So this is year three of Sean Payton. This is three years from now at age 37. Russell Wilson's cap number becomes... million. Um, Can you tag me in? So, at that point, that's when you restructure. Like, Uh he'll never make 55 mil, but he's still got 58, 53, and 54 in cap hits on the other side of that. So, you've got to then spread more money out. Those cap numbers are becoming close to 60 million, or you can get out of the deal after three seasons and have over $30 million in dead cap, which is probably what they would do. That number will go up substantially if they move cap space into the future, though, to lower the $55 million. So they're probably going to have him for three more seasons, making well over forty at least once, and end up having $40 million in dead cap when they move on from him. 
The only thing I wanted to add, you you touched on one part that, of it. This job is the is a great job. I know. That's why I say you have to you have to like something about Wilson. Let's just say for the sake of argument, just for fun, that Sean Payton's like, you know what, guys, I want to do wipe the slate clean. Let's let's get rid of Russell Wilson. Just just play along with me. You couldn't. Here's why: if they tried to cut Russell Wilson, one hundred and seven million dollars in dead cap this year. I've never seen that before. I've never seen that amount of money. When I go to overthecap.com, it's one of my favorite resources. We had Brad Spielberger on earlier who, who helps contribute to, to overthecap.com. It's an awesome resource to figure out where teams are, who owes what, et cetera, right? I've never seen that many digits. <laughs> I've never seen a number that big in the dead cap column. And it's a factor now because we're talking about Wilson. They are, as you said, tied to him in a way that we haven't seen very often. In the history of this game, and and no one thought twice about it when the contract was signed. I know I certainly did it. Now every day, every Broncos fan Ooh, is going, say "Look at this." You, you don't think anyone made that point when it was just this off season that he signed? Well, people thought. I know I did. That, hey, he's still pretty good. He yeah. had he had a he had a down couple of games versus an excellent Hall of Fame uh, career. Th- this is not a pat myself on the back thing. I, I was screaming about how bad he was all last year. Right, I he think didn't a, play well last I think year. A lot, of, and then they traded for him with time left on his contract and paid him an unbelievable amount of money that wasn't necessary. His contract was not set to expire. There was no need to pay him when they paid him. They essentially did it out of like out of goodwill. You know they they, they basically they brought him in with time term left and mm-hmm. said, "And oh by the way, here is Here's the so gift. much more." That was insane to me coming off of what he had just done. I, I don't know how or why they did it. Now, eventually People like me who said that was a mistake could be loud wrong if he gets good again. But even still. Everyone says basically this is the first time that he has played at this level, and it's just not true. The entire second half of last year, he was terrible. If you go back and watch the game at FedEx Field. He was. He stunk in that game, and it was not the only game he played like that in the second half of last year. But I will say this. Sean Payton, from an offensive standpoint, is a top five or so designer, play caller in the game. He's one of the better coaches in terms of success over the last, what, 10, 12 years in the game. If anyone has a chance to elevate Russell Wilson, to maximize Russell Wilson, he'd be on a short list of guys you would say is a whisperer who might be able to do that. They also have weapons. Cortland Sutton's outstanding. Tim Patrick will be coming back from a torn ACL. Is really good. Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy. was a first-round pick who's been a huge disappointment, but is a very solid football player. Uh, I, I don't know that K.J. Hamler will still be there or, or uh, any of their other receivers down the depth chart, former second-round pick out of Penn State. But they have weapons that they just never really tapped into. They, they've got a really good running back that will come back from injury, and Javante Williams was a second-round pick. Latavius Murray replaced Melvin Gordon as their thumper in the second half of the season. They actually have a good little core of players they on do. offense. They do. So it's already a really good defense. Basically, Sean Payton just has to fix Russell Wilson. You got yourself a 10-11 win type team. He did it with Drew Brees. People forget. Brees, they they opted for Phil Rivers instead of Brees when he was in San Diego. Was a bum shoulder. A guy that they said, ah, he's got no arm strength to never be able to do it again. He'll never be able to recreate. Because he was on a nice sort of career arc himself. Brees was early on. They said, the shoulder, it's not going to happen. Peyton said, I'll take him. And they made beautiful music together. You know what I don't get, though? So you're telling me Sean Peyton's coming back and the Broncos are trading the 29th pick in the draft for him, right? Yeah. How can he coach the Broncos and also coach the Commanders with Tom Brady coming with him to Washington, D.C.? Because isn't that what Colin Cowherd said was going to happen a couple days ago? 
No, I don't know if Coward said that. I think Rex Ryan said that. Oh, is that Rex Ryan? That may have been Rex Ryan. It's hard to keep my no, no, just no, oh, meeting, right. my meaningless empty rumors. You're right. I'm straight. conflating the two. Yeah. Rex Ryan said Sean Payton and Tom Brady in Washington, but Cowherd last week yep. said that the the mystery team trying to get their ducks in a row is the commander. He told me that, yeah there were ducks involved and to watch out. So I'm still watching out because gonna, keep watching. Are you watching out? Stand on guard for thee. I'm watch out. Keep, I will be right here with you. I'm asking you to watch out. There's some coaching news on the commanders front. Look at these. Items dropping. Look at this. Hopping hot and heavy today. Uh, We will hop over to D'Amico. Ryan's going to the Texans as well. But uh, a little commander's coaching news next on G&D. Lots of NFL news breaking right now. So the big story, Sean Payton coming out of retirement. He's going to coach the Denver Broncos because he still had term left on his deal with the Saints. He was property of New Orleans. They are allowing him to go to Denver. The Broncos have to trade draft compensation. They'll send two high picks, including this year's first rounder, the 29th overall pick, which went from San Francisco to Miami to Denver. That was originally a 49ers pick that was traded as part of the Trey Lance deal. The Trey Lance deal, by the way, if that guy doesn't end up panning out for the 49ers, is going to end up looking like a disaster. The Dolphins got three first-rounders in that deal that they have spun into Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and Bradley Chubb. They're top two wideouts who are just assassins offensively, and Chubb was one of the premium pass rushers in the NFL. Pretty good. Now, they, they traded that pick to Denver for Chubb, obviously. That Chubb is going to be in Miami, and that pick will now be spent by the Saints who get this selection from Denver if you're tracking. The other big coaching news, D'Amico Ryans to the Texans. And how about this from Rap Sheet? Uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network had this just a few minutes ago. He said, the Broncos spent today trying to hire D'Amico Ryans again. He recommitted to the Texans. When he agreed to terms with the Texans, that's when Denver moved and finalized with Sean Payton. So they must have actually preferred D'Amico Ryans. And on top of that, I think, probably whether they just loved him as a coach or didn't want to pay the picks. Yeah, it was keeping your comp, yeah. They wanted D'Amico Ryans. He chose Houston over Denver. Mm. And while it sounds crazy, it kind of makes sense. You don't have to deal with the albatross of the Wilson contract. While the Broncos don't have draft picks in the next couple of years because they gave them all up for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, the Texans have a ton of draft picks. and In fact, one of the, the most draft pick-laden teams in all of football and cap space. So the, really the only problem with going to the Texans is you're dealing with an owner who's a goose and you're going to a team where the GM has hired and fired coaches two straight off seasons. But get this little nugget. Mm-hmm. Apparently, D'Amico Ryans was able to secure a six-year contract. Oh, hello there. So, just so people know, first-year, first-time head coaches, often, for a long time, you got four years. It became five. It's kind of rare, but every now and then you might see six. Like, David Tepper did a crazy thing with Matt Rule where he got a ton of years. I think he might have even gotten seven years. It's almost like this braggadocious thing where it's like, look how confident we are. But I'll bet you, D'Amico Ryans is now playing the Broncos versus the Texans, right? And he's going... All right, I could just go to Denver, or you could give me the sixth year, 
And oh, by the way, you hired and fired Cully. You hired and fired Lovey. How do I know you're not going to hire and fire me in one year? I want six years or bust. Smart. He was able to get it done. Leverage him. He was the hottest commodity after the year he just had as the D.C. in San Francisco. Love it. And listen, that organization is a football disaster. The off-field stuff, Washington, with all due respect, still leads the league. But on field in that front office and their structure, the organization, everything about it's not good right now. He's got some Houston ties, so maybe there's some loyalty and some pull there. Talking about Ryan's and his playing career. So if you get right there, you're the hero. Right? You are you are the conquering savior, the the, the you know, the good son that came home to fix everything. Right? It, imagine the level of of adulation that he would receive, right? If he turned that program around given the turmoil of the last several years. Sean Payton and Russell Wilson have been together at the Pro Bowl several times. I'm sure they've crossed paths many times in other capacities as well as household QB, household head coach in the same conference. Uh, but I have to imagine they've got some type of a relationship that Peyton has enjoyed or he has at least liked his interactions with Russ. I wouldn't take this job if I don't talk to him extensively first. Because if I don't think that can work or or if some of the stuff that comes out about him and his makeup and what kind of teammate he is or how he is to coach is true, then what am I doing? Why am I leaving a really well-paying, easy job to talk on TV as a former coach to go take that gig and ru- potentially ruin my reputation, a la Mike Shanahan. That's what's at stake, man. I mean, I mean, most of the time you want to be able to pick it yourself, and if you're inheriting it, you've got to be really sure. Last thing I wanted to crowbar in here, and this is something we can get back to after we talk to Barry Sverluga. Um, We'll do this next hour at 525, but I mentioned there was a commander's coaching update. Well, remember Chris Harris, the defensive Backs coach here in D.C. that left for the Titans last week. Uh huh. So he took the job to be the Titans, not their D.C. They've got a D.C., but their pass game defensive coach. It's kind of a, a lateral slash maybe slight upgrade position in Tennessee under Vrabel. The 49ers are now requesting to interview Chris Harris for their defensive coordinating job. How good is that gig, by the way? So they've got an all pro at every level of their defense. Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. Uh, they got an all-pro safety as well in, in their back end. They got good corners. That was the best defense in the league from about week five on. It wasn't even close this year. Chris Harris, who was coaching the DBs here, who's been waiting for his chance and getting interviews as a D coordinator the last couple years, left here to go to Tennessee thinking it might put him on the fast track for a D.C. job if he's working under Vrabel in another building. What if he got the San Francisco job after D'Amico Ryan's? Robert Sala what a, was what a fortuitous. The, I mean, Robert Sala was the DC there a couple years ago. Now the coach of the Jets. Yeah. Then Ryan's. That is to defense is basically what like being McVay's OC is or Shanahan's OC is from the, the outhouse to the White House, dude. I mean, that's unbelievable. Good for Chris Harris. I hope that can. happens. By the way, I would him. love it. Everyone I talk to in the building adores the guy. That they think he is a rising star. So I'll keep my fingers crossed and hope that uh, he gets that job. That's pretty fascinating. All right, Barry Sperluga joins us next. Had a piece in the Post today about whether or not the learners are actually going to sell the Nationals. We'll get some details from him on that in just a moment on Grant and Danny. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.